This is a GRDC podcast. Native budworm is a major established pest for Western Australia's pulse and canola crops. Large populations of native budworm migrate into agricultural regions in late winter and spring, with their unpredictable migratory flights carrying them hundreds of kilometres to feed off canola, lupins, chickpea, faba beans and lentils, to name a few. But now a new native budworm threat is emerging that targets wheat crops. Hello, I'm Deborah Bishop. Determining the economic impact of native budworm in wheat crops in the western region was not something WA's DPIRD was expecting to be doing. But when agronomists and growers started reporting caterpillars feeding off wheat in spring, DPIRD, backed by GRDC Investment, launched Glasshouse and Infield Research to determine and examine why native budworm was moving into non-traditional cereal crop hosts such as wheat. Not to be confused, though, with armyworm or lesser budworm, hungry native budworm caterpillars appear to be developing a destructive taste for advanced heading wheat. Part of the deep herd research is to determine what thresholds are required to cause yield impacts and to identify the best preemptive action by growers who might discover native budworm in their wheat. One theory is that uncontrolled wild radish, where native budworms prefer to lay their eggs, could be helping to introduce wheat crops to native budworm as a food source. I spoke to Dustin Severson from Deeper WA at the Northern Office about the migration of budworm into wheat crops, given it's a relatively new occurrence in the growing regions of WA. I think if you told me that I was going to be researching native budworm in wheat five years ago, I probably wouldn't believe you because growers would be very familiar with native budworm as a major pest of pulses, lupins and canola, but really hadn't been a problem in wheat. And so we had started hearing reports of growers and consultants saying, I've got these caterpillars damaging wheat, especially up in the head late in the season. And we did a bit of an investigation to see what exactly is this. Sure enough, even through molecular analysis, they were native budworms. So we thought, well, there's something strange going on here. So with GRDC investment, we were able to hit the ground running with the issue and investigate what was going on in the field. So we're looking at a combination of field surveillance, particularly in the Geraldton port zone, where this problem seems to be the most. For the moths, so we have pheromone traps set up to look at the moths, the moth populations, and we're also sweep netting for larvae. But we're also looking at some really strategic glasshouse studies where we can control what we want to see what's actually going on here. Why are they feeding on wheat? Some of the results that we're finding is that they will actually feed up on the head, which we were quite surprised about, not being a traditional host, and that they were also feeding on the flag leaf. So we thought immediately, okay, this is something we need to take seriously with the damage in those particular parts of the plant. But interestingly, one of the things we found when we started manipulating moths that we've reared in our colony was that they were very deterred from laying eggs on wheat. They did not want to lay eggs on wheat. So we thought, well, okay, that's interesting because in the next cage, they would be laying happily laying eggs on lupins. And we used faba beans, canola, and even wild radish, which we know is always as well. So there's some agronomy around wild radish control in wheat that we started to look into as well. I think that's a really important part of what's happening in the agronomy of it. But also we were getting reports of budworm and wheat that was sown on lupin stubble. So volunteer lupins, if they weren't controlled properly, maybe earlier in the season, that presented a opportunity for moths that were there 
to actually lay eggs on those and then potentially spread onto the wheat. So there's a few things there that we're looking at, but it's interesting also that they really don't want to feed on young wheat. They don't want to feed on tillering wheat. And as soon as that head comes out, there's something that's attracting them to that. So that's good for us to know a little bit more about what is exactly going on out there with this strange scenario. But now what we're working on is how many of these larvae do we need? Maybe pretend sweeps of a sweep net or maybe per square meter, depending on what's the best technique to use. We want to know what the threshold is in almost like a traffic light system. Where are we in the clear and don't have to worry at all? Where should we be a bit worried? And where are we in the red where we really need to get up and spray? Let's just look at the regions for a moment. What regions are affected and is there a bit of a pattern to an expectation of when there could be the arrival of the budworm throughout the regions in WA? Yeah, so we generally expect budworm in their annual migration, which usually happens around August. It seems to be happening earlier and earlier every year. But generally, it will be the Geraldton Port Zone, the Northern Egg Region, and the Eastern Grain Belt because they migrate on wind patterns from those northeast pastoral areas. So they generally get hit first, sometimes esperance at the same time, but it's a bit unpredictable depending on those wind patterns, as I mentioned. And then they keep moving through to, say, the Great Southern and Albany regions will get hit last, and often they will get away with a much lesser risk and sometimes not even having to spray. So effect on yield, have you done any research in that regard yet? And and if so, what are the findings at the moment? So at the moment, we've targeted what parts of the plant are they preferring to feed on. So we looked at the heads, the flag leaves and all of that sort of thing. So at the moment, we're looking at the field trials that will give us more information on a bit of a broader scale per X number of caterpillars, what sort of damage are they doing in the field? So that'll give us our number, our spatial number. Have there been any key findings at this early stage at the moment on native budworm population dynamics from the in-field surveillance you've got going and also your glasshouse trials? Yeah, one of the things we were surprised about when we put pheromone traps in wheat, which we've never done ever in the past, our traps are always in traditional hosts, especially pulses, and in the northern egg region, especially chickpeas and lupins and canola. So we started putting traps in wheat, and lo and behold, we're finding just as many, if not more, in some spots, budworm being picked up in wheat crops. So that's quite surprising that they are there flying around because the crop attracted them before the pheromone lure, and now we have these moths being collected. So that's interesting because if they're there and mating, they may be laying eggs on something, but at the moment, we're not seeing any caterpillars. So it's kind of wait and see in terms of monitoring whether they develop into caterpillars We were out on the demonstration site here with you today, just outside of Northam, and you were saying that with wild radish, if the growers go in and clear their wild radish, thinking we've got rid of the problem, that no, that isn't actually the case, is it? And does that bring us into that scope of the necessity of monitoring your crops and keeping that eye out? And what other ways can growers keep on top of it? Yeah, that's right. Definitely the crops that we've inspected a bit closely in terms of where You know, the radish control hasn't been 100%, you know, for a lot of reasons. It was pretty clear where we would walk in and sweep the radish. It was much higher levels of budworm, and they sort of dissipated out from those patches. That told us already that they are definitely laying eggs on that radish, and they're attracted to that. So that's a bit of a part of the agronomy. But yes, definitely get out and have a look. Keep your eye out, particularly for damage on the upper leaves and in the heads. And make sure that you identify your caterpillars properly because we have other species. We have armyworms, which we're starting to see at the moment in some crops. And so they could potentially be more as we head more into warmer spring temperatures. And we also have another species called lesser budworm, which looks a lot like native budworm. 
but does have cereals as their host. So it's important to get the identification of the caterpillar right. We often have people send us in images through the PestFax Reporter app is a good way, and we can identify that caterpillar for you. Even if the images aren't good enough to ID, you can send us samples of caterpillars as well. That's a good way to get a proper idea of what's going on. And with the damage to the wheat, is there a particular stage at which the wheat is more susceptible or more attractive to budworm that growers can monitor? Yeah, it was interesting when we started looking at growth stages and tested them in the glasshouse, particularly when they were given a choice with, say, wheat and radish in the same cage. But even when it was forced onto wheat, the caterpillars didn't really want to feed much on the vegetative wheat, so up to you know, tillering and early stem elongation. As soon as those heads popped out, they were attracted to the heads. And that's the bit that we're concerned about and want to get a better idea of. So it's a numbers game in terms of pests, but it's also a timing, I think, window that we're looking at. So what is the project's future at the moment? I mean, you've identified this problem. It's been a surprise to you, you know, ostensibly. Where does the project go from here and what kind of future outcomes are you expecting to get anytime soon? So I think for the rest of our project, we really want to focus more on the thresholds. So what kind of damage are a particular number of caterpillars causing? But also ultimately, I think in terms of a package, we're going to have to start monitoring wheat more than we used to. So growers that are used to getting out and monitoring their pulses and lupins for these caterpillars, we're going to have to put wheat on that list as well. And as I said, not just for budworm, but for armyworms and other species. So the regional networks are clearly seeking more information in this regard. Where can they get that information from, Dustin? So we have a lot of information on the DeepRed website of caterpillar identification and that sort of thing, but also certainly just get in touch with us in the PestFax team. We're here to support with GRDC Investment, as I said. We're a team that supports industry and are very happy to follow up on caterpillar IDs and things like that. Dustin, thanks so much for talking to us today. Thank you. That was Dustin Severtson, Deep Herd researcher from Northern WA. More information on this topic can be found in the description box of this podcast or online at gidc.com.au. I'm Deborah Bishop and thanks for listening.